Hey, Space Watchers! This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, cool people, and real conferences. My name is Chiara Monter. I'm the event coordinator in our Space Watch Global team. End of January this year, I was able to attend the 14th European Space Conference in Brussels. Here, I had the pleasure of meeting Nadine Smolka, mission manager at ExoLaunch. Just a week later, we jumped on a call to discuss her journey to space and her experiences attending the T3 launch in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Thank you for joining me, Nadine. I'm very excited to have a chat with you and to find out more about your story. So I was looking at your profile a bit. And of course, you are on LinkedIn. You were introduced as the mission manager at ExoLaunch. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What does it mean to be the mission manager? It sounds like an awesome title. But what do you do? It is also an awesome job that comes with the title, which I'm quite happy about. So Exolange itself is an integrator service provider. And that means that we are the interface between someone who builds a satellite and then the people that we call launch service providers, so the people that have the launcher and actually get the satellite into space. Because there's quite a lot to do to make the satellites ready to be on a launcher and to ensure that they reach their final destination safe and sound and then can work as, as they should. So this is exactly where I come in or where me and my colleagues come in. We are the mission managers. So I get a customer, a couple of customers. They have certain types of satellites. We focus on microsatellites and CubeSats. So small satellites up to, I would say, like 200, 300 kilograms. And they tell us where they want to go, when they're expecting to be ready to go. And then we are trying to find the best launch possible for them to, to meet those goals. And once we have that, this is less my work, let's say, and more the work of our vice president, of our launch directors. But once they have figured that out, I am the main point of contact for those customers. I get them ready um, with all their documentations. I know it sounds a bit boring, but actually I get to, to read everything about the different satellites and since we're also working with universities, I also get to see some like awesome new technologies that they want to try that no one has tried before. So it's like a sneak peek into uh, what will be happening in the next years when it comes to satellites. So it's actually quite cool. And I can accompany, let's say, our satellite customers from when they are thinking about going and they're in the start or in the, yeah, in the starting position of building the satellites up to the ready satellite being tested and then also being integrated on or to the launcher before the actual launch. So I also, I haven't yet because I recently just joined ExoLaunch four months or five months ago, but part of my job is also to actually go to the launch site and screw the satellites <laughs> to the launcher. Wow. So you really you don't only get the sneak preview, but you also get to see the, the whole stage of the, the partnership from beginning to the launch. Exactly. And touch very carefully. That's mm -hmm. so cool. <laughs> now, um, venturing before that, I'm curious, what was your journey to space? How did you end up being the mission manager? Because I always find the more I talk to people, it's not really that you find space. It's more that space finds you. Yeah. So. How did space find you? Yeah, so it's a bit of a zigzag course, I would say, to me being here right now, because 
I hope I'm not making that too long, but when I stopped school or when I finished high school, I actually worked in a museum of modern art because I'm very interested in, in art and music and I wanted to become like a cultural manager more like doing art exhibitions or concerts or festivals. So I worked at that and that was pretty cool. That was at Deichtorhallen in Hamburg, Germany. And our last exhibition that I happened to be involved in very much was a huge hanging structure and we needed support from an engineering team actually to figure out like if the if the building would ha hold and what kinds of bolts we need, all this mechanical stuff. And my boss at that time, she saw that I was very like interested in all the mechanical stuff and all the engineering stuff. And she said, culture is such a hard field to work in. I admire you that you want to do that, but I see you are having a lot of fun with like physics and math. Maybe, you know, consider something else. And I did, and this is how I ended up in engineering altogether or in the first place. But I did process and energy engineering in my bachelor's because I wanted to build renewable power plants. That, that was my goal. And then, yeah, Space found me in a lecture that NASA gave at the TU Berlin some years ago about their Mars mission, which was really cool, as you can imagine, NASA being there talking about space and, and stuff. And then me happening to be in a lecture that I really enjoyed that talked about supersonic fluids, like very, very fast gases. And when you talk about very fast gases, you talk about rocket propulsion, because this is essentially how a rocket lifts off and goes into space. So this somehow happened at the same time, and that was enough. Let's say the threshold was crossed for me to be like, okay, maybe there's a chance of me working in space and doing something in space, because I think when you do something specifically something like technological like engineering space is always very like fascinating interesting groundbreaking all these nice words so this is how i got into or how i got that plan i went to kdh in stockholm which is the royal university or royal technical university of stockholm to study a bit of actual aerospace engineering since i did not do that in my studies in germany i wrote my master's thesis at dlr which is the german aerospace um, agency actually in rocket propulsion, so that was really nice. And then I did a science show, actually. I toured around Germany with DLR, and we had a science show for kids. Uh, we, I think we had the show in front of over 22,000 kids in one summer, wow. so that was amazing. I love to do outreach still, like it's one of my favorite things to do. And space is also an easy subject, I think, like to get people excited about, obviously. And in one of those shows, I just uh, got to know someone who works at a company here in Berlin. And I worked at this new space company for a while, but I went to ESA pretty fast, like after a year, because ESA has this traineeship options, which are really cool. And I wanted to be like more trained into space, having not actually studied it. And this is where I spent my last two years in Paris. And at ESA, working on the new European launcher, the Ariane 6, that will hopefully, knock on wood, launch this year. It is scheduled for this year, so let's see. And this traineeship had to end someday. So I checked out what I wanted to do, and Exolaunch found me on LinkedIn because the CEO was a or worked uh, at the TU Berlin. So I somehow LinkedIn got us connected. And this is uh, when I saw they had open positions and I applied and I'm very, very happy that I got this position. And here I am. Wow. I, mean, I, I always love hearing these kind of origin stories. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought it was uh, quite funny that you mentioned art because 
That was also the initial path that I oh, wanted really? to take. I also had this <laughs> idea of becoming a curator yeah, in an art museum. Awesome. So yeah, it <laughs> might be a common path for space lovers. Maybe. But now you've mentioned launches and this is the thing I'm very excited to talk to you about. So on the 13th of January, you were able to witness the Transport to 3 launch, yes. the, the Falcon 9 rocket from the SLC-40 platform in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so many questions, <laughs> but really like, what was it like? And for someone who still yet has to see their first launch, can you talk us through the, the process? Where were you and what could you see? What did you do? I have to start with saying that I was in a very privileged position because I was there as a mission manager, not as a private person. We have had customers on that flight. We had mm-hmm. this customers invited to see the launch and I was there to help with all the events going on. And SpaceX is actually also doing a, a great job organizing launch events for their customers and, and treating them like VIPs. So I was part of that. And that, that's very privileged. The first highlight, let's say, was that the day before launch, when the launcher was already rolled out to the launch pad and it was standing there, SpaceX actually got us access to near that launch pad, of course, never on. But we, we were able to get on a bus and go see the launcher from very up close. Still like three fences between us and the launcher, but like as close as it gets for a normal person, let's put it like that. And that was really cool to see, yeah, a launcher up close. And I don't know if you know, I certainly didn't. I learned at that occasion by the booster, the first stage that was used, it was actually its 10th time to be reused or to be, to fly. So the ninth time to be reused, I oh, believe. Wow. And it's uh, not as nice and shiny and white anymore, as you see on the pictures, but it tells a story. And then as a special treat after that, we also visited the landing pad where this booster would land because it was a very special land landing. Usually they land on this ship and then you don't get to see the booster since, uh, for a few days until it arrives at the Cape. But we were very lucky that the booster would be landing on land and we went there And it was the funniest thing because it's literally just a concrete cycle in the middle of nowhere. And everyone was super excited. Like being all space nerds there, everyone was touching the ground and being like, wow. Although there was like looking from outside, there was nothing to see. It was just a huge concrete (laughs) pad, but still very cool. And then on the day of the launch, it was a morning launch, but not too early, which was a nice combination. I did not go to the VIP launch viewing. That was reserved for our customers, which is fine, because I found uh, this great spot that you can Google. It's called Jetty Park. It's on the it's on the south, right before the Air Force Base starts. So it's publicly available. It's on the beach, and you have a nice pier going out to the water. So standing on that pier, you have a good view on the Air Force premises. But it's still several mm-hmm. kilometers away from the launch pad, right? It's close to, as close as you can get but like still several kilometers away. And it was full of people. Half of them were only there for fishing, <laughs> but the only half, <laughs> uh, the other half was actually there to see the launch. It was also my first launch, so I was super excited. I did not bring a good camera, which I regret. I just had my phone, but I also decided I didn't want to look through my screen the whole time to see my first launch. So I put it on video mode and then I just didn't look at it and I just hope I would capture something. 
And then I had this family next to me that actually had data. So they were showing me the live stream because I was just standing there. I don't know, maybe lo sometimes launches get scrubbed the last second, right? So I was, let's just see what happens. And they shared the, the countdown. Everything worked fine. It took maybe a second before we could actually see the launcher rise up about like above the small hills. It was very loud. That I didn't expect because we were so far away. But it was like a very low rumbling. It was not a like a sonic boom or anything. It was just a standing very close to train tracks, like okay. a very loud rumbling. Although it was so far away, that was the crazy thing. Like the sound or the loudness didn't match the distance in which you perceived the launcher to be. Let's put it like that. So that was crazy. And then you see the launcher rise you see the first stage burn down like stop burning and then separating and then it was a bit hard to see the booster return because at this point it was between us and the sun so you had to look like directly mm -hmm. into the sun but you could still hear it and you could still see the vapor path that it leaves in the sky like a, a jet engine so you could yeah. still see the path that the launcher took And then after a couple of minutes, we could see the booster landing. And that was amazing. Like, I mean, I've seen videos. I know that they figured out how to do it. It's something entirely different to see it in real life. Like to see, and it's descending so fast. I saw, again, I saw the videos. I thought it would crash. That was way too fast to descend <laughs> for something that would land and not crash. But it did stop in time. And the sonic boom hit everyone very unexpectedly. Actually, in my video, you can just see me shake away. And like everyone was like, not screaming, but, you know, like this, <gasps> because no one was expecting the sonic boom. You could feel it in your organs. That was, yeah, that was, I, I have no words. I know it was coming, but I didn't know when. It hit everyone unprepared and it was like crazy and very loud. <laughs> yeah. And then that's it. Like eight minutes in and everything is over all of a sudden. But it was crazy and it was, yeah, I won't forget. I will never forget my first launch. I, I can imagine. I mean, I can't really imagine, but it, it sounds absolutely amazing and such a such a life-altering experience. I know from watching different launches where you're just watching the live stream, you already get super nervous and yeah. excited and like, oh my God, is it going to work? Being there in person, how how did that feel? Um, to be honest, <laughs> I was excited more than I was nervous. To be honest, I just because I mm -hmm. the the weather was great. I saw we had some talks with SpaceX the days before, so all the pre-launch checks that worked out fine. Everything was go for launch, and I don't know. There was in my mind there was not the possibility that something goes wrong launch scrap because of something yes but not launching and then something going wrong that was just i don't know mm -hmm. i didn't even think about that because also in the second it launched i was just too amazed to see this thing fly then to be like oh no don't explode don't explode please don't explode <laughs> i was way more nervous when watching the live stream for james webb for example in december like that was just that was nerve-wracking on a whole different level <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, it, it sounds like a really amazing experience mm -hmm. and already getting so much secondhand excitement listening to you talk That's about good. it. Yeah, you should really come and see. It's uh... yes. <laughs> definitely One day, sign right? me up. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, would you ever go to space? Yes, but not as an astronaut. If I was just mm -hmm. had just this open call for astronauts, I did not apply on purpose. I don't think I'm the I'm a good fit for being an astronaut. I'm I'm claustrophobic. I know a lot about astronaut training from like people talking at ESA and, and stuff the public knows already anyway. But there's the survival mm -hmm. training in Siberia where you just got get dropped off and then you have to survive. And this is all I don't know. Not very I'm not made for that. I'm not an outdoorsy outdoorsy being cold <laughs> running away from grizzly bears person. But as a space tourist Not that I could ever afford it, but if it's flight-proven enough, like safe enough, I would definitely mm -hmm. go because my primary goal is to see the night sky without the atmosphere in between. This is what I would go for space for, seeing the night sky or seeing the universe. That would be so beautiful, mm -hmm. right? I'm always a bit on the fence when it comes to space tourism, but I think if it's someone who can really really appreciate it and, and knows their, their stuff and, and knows what to expect. I think it can have a lot of value. Personal value, yeah. I agree with you that it's a problematic topic. I wouldn't push for it, but well, me personally, I wouldn't push for it, but I think it will inevitably happen someday. There is enough people out there that are willing to pay the money and as long as there's demand, I guess, there will be the opportunity or the possibility to go. But. Yeah, those were my questions. So thank you again for your time. It was super fun to talk to you and love your art background <laughs> yeah. and just hearing your excitement. It's been very fun. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the questions and, and the interest. I enjoy talking about it, obviously. Thank you all very much for listening to our Space Cafe radio. I'm Kara, event coordinator at Spacewatch Global. And with that, I leave you for today. And don't forget, become a space watcher. Bye!